Many of us have um, made, well, we've made good progress in our walk with the Lord, but so many of us have allowed different things to hold us back and to keep us from being where we should have been or could have been in our walk with the Lord. One thing I want to do as I get older, and I guess you've noticed by now I'm, I'm doing that pretty good. One thing I want to do as I get older, I want to get smarter. I do not want to make the same mistakes that I've made at other times in my life. I think we all can say that, that if we could go back and, you know, when I used to play marbles when I was a little fella, if I made a bad shot, the first one that yelled, overs. (laughs) Nobody ever did that but me. Some of you probably did. You just don't want to admit it. But if you'd yell, yeah, there's Gene. He did. If you yell overs, you got a chance to shoot again before the other guy shot, see? We call that grace now. (laughs) When we mess up, we just say, Lord, give me more of your grace. I need more of your grace. More of your grace. I I want to move beyond the things that have been holding me back in my past in the life that I have uh, been blessed to live up until now. I want you to turn with me, if you will please, this morning. I want to start in Mark chapter 2 and verse 20. It's a very interesting scripture that Jesus gives us about fasting and praying. And um, I think it's something we need to pay attention to. Every year we try to take the most of the month of January to spend in fasting and prayer because I believe it's important for us, not just as a church, but as individual people, for us to set spiritual goals for us to attain throughout the year. Looking in the Gospel of Mark chapter 2 and verse 20, But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then shall they fast in those days. So I want you to see that during the time that Jesus was on the earth, He was not instructing His disciples to fast at that time. But He said there will come a time when the bridegroom will not be with them, He'll be taken away from them, and then shall they fast in those days. You know, Jesus knew there'd come a time when He wouldn't physically be present with His disciples or with the church. We understand that. He is not with us physically. Certainly He's with us spiritually, but He's not with us physically. And that perilous or dangerous times would come in the last days when church people or or Christian people would need supernatural strength to be able to live a Holy Ghost-filled life. Now folks, if there's ever been a day when we need to be filled with the Holy Ghost, filled with the power of God, filled with the strength that only comes from Him, I think this day certainly is calling for people like that. I I don't believe that weak and frail Christian folks are going to be able to live a successful Christian life in this day that we're living. The Bible said in the last days 
that dangerous times would come, perilous times. And I think we're in those days. But Jesus said that when the bridegroom was no longer present with the bride or the church, then would be the time that they would begin to talk about fasting and praying. Now fasting is not dieting. If you are just doing without food and you're not praying, you're dieting. Uh, Fasting has to do with prayer as well as that. Remember Jesus now, in, uh, in, as we look in Matthew chapter 17, which I want to take most of what I'm saying this morning from that. Matthew chapter 17, we look at that particular chapter. All of it has to do with Jesus taking his three disciples, Peter, James, and John, with him up on the mountain and was transfigured before them. And when the Jesus says now, as we read verse 16, he's come down from the mountain. We read verse 16, and he's the, the, the father of a young boy who is um, possessed with the devil. They called him a lunatic in verse 15. Said he was sore vexed, and oft times he falleth into the fire and into the water. Verse 16 says, And I brought him to your disciples, and they could not cure him. Excuse me if I, if I revert back to old Robert's days of the 1950s when, when he would... I got all kinds of strings attached. It's hot enough up here. I got to do, with, I got to do without that coat this morning. Will you excuse me for preaching in my shirt sleeves this morning? <laughs> Thank you. I think after... I think after almost 19 years, I think you guys know me by now. I am what I am, and it's hot up here. And I want you to understand now, Jesus has been up on the mountain of transfiguration. He took His three most trusted disciples, Peter, James, and John, up there with Him. And He was transfigured, or He was changed before their faces. And it was, it, it was such a tremendous time that they had together that they literally did not want to come down off the mountain. Peter was so, Peter was so enamored by what was going on. He said, let us make three tabernacles up here. I want to make one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. In other words, we love it so good up here Why can't we just stay up on the mountain and let's never go back down there anymore? I think all of us can say that, that there are times in the presence of the Lord that we wish we could just stay right there in that place of ecstasy for the rest of our life and would never have to come down off the mountain anymore. Anybody ever been there? Folks, I have been in revival services where the power of God was so strong, it was so smoky in the place, I could hardly see the back door. I don't, I don't know where all the smoke was coming from unless it was the fire of the power of the Holy Ghost. But I've seen the power of God 
so demonstrated in such a way that people could not stand up. They would have to sit down on the seat if they tried to walk. They would fall in the floor. I'm telling you, God is the same God today that He's ever been before. I want to see that again. I want to see us when we're more concerned about how I'm dressed spiritually in the eyes of God than how I'm dressed physically for everybody else to see. I want to see the time when I hunger for God more than I hunger for a biscuit from Bojangles. Amen, preacher. Jesus had just come down off the mountain. He had been in a place of high, holy worship and manifestation before God. Him and his three cohorts, Peter, James, and John, they'd all been with that. You know, the closer you stick with Jesus, the more things you can see that He's going to do. Now, if you make yourself be one of His closest disciples, remember even when they were having the Last Supper, what was John doing? He was leaning on Jesus' breast. He said, I'm going to be wherever you go. If you go, I'm there. I'm going to make myself be one of your favorite ones because when the glory of the Lord falls, I want to be in that number, hallelujah, that sees the glory of God being manifested. And I'm telling you, this is what I want to be in this point in my life. I want to be so close to Jesus that when the fire falls, I want to be right there to smell the smoke and be a part of what's going on. Glory to God. I want to see that in the church world because I'm afraid we have leaned so far to our own knowledge. We've leaned so far to our own understanding until we have moved away from trusting in the supernatural move of the Holy Spirit. I want to see that again. I want you to notice this now. Verse 16 said, I brought him to your disciples. They could not cure him. This father of this young man who was possessed with the demon, he said, I went through the proper channels. I brought him to your disciples. I thought, sure, they could heal him. I mean, after all, they've spent all this time with you. Shouldn't they be able to heal him? And he said, they could not. There's just some things that it's going to take a little deeper walk. There's some things that you just got to dig a little deeper in order to get there. There are some things that you got to climb a little higher in order to see it manifested before your eyes. They said, we brought him to your disciples and, and they could not heal him. It was a need. It was a need that they were not in a position to meet. They have something has come along that they couldn't handle. And look at what Jesus said. And the Bible said, Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How, how long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. Jesus said, you've been walking with me all this time. You have heard the words that I've spoken to you. That if you would have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, be thou removed to yonder place and it shall be done. 
Jesus said, why now has someone come to you that you can't deal with? You should have been able to deal with it. You've already heard these words of faith that I have shared with you all of these years. You've heard me talk about the great things of God. And now a man brings his son to you and you can't heal him. He said, oh, faithless generation. See, God only moves in response to faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. God responds when we release faith. It isn't enough just that we pray hard and pray loud. Now, I know I'm a big mouth guy. I mean, I, I grew up in a house full of youngins. And if you didn't yell what you wanted, nobody heard you. So I know I speak loudly. Another thing, I don't hear very well, so I got to holler it loud. So I'll know you heard it. So did you hear that? But I want you to understand, sometimes praying louder or, excuse the expression, sweating more is not what's going to get the miracle in your favor. It's when you trust in the Lord with all of your heart and you believe that what you say will come to pass because the Word of the Lord has declared it. Then, my friend, is when you can see those things done. They could not do it. Sometimes, sometimes you know, we kind of quick to criticize these disciples. I know I've often said, well, you know, if I'd, if I'd been one of those who had walked along with Jesus and I'd heard all the things that He had said as, as He taught them about faith and trust and the Heavenly Father. I, I believe I could have done a little bit better than they did here. But then again, I have people who come to me with prayer needs and I pray with them and I trust with them and I don't see it come to pass or it's not happening like I thought it ought to. So I find out I really don't have any reason or need to criticize the disciples who couldn't do something when, when I'm still struggling in areas because sometimes I pray for people and they don't get healed. And I don't understand it. I don't understand why some people can just believe so easily and boom, it's done. And other people, I don't they, they just pray so hard and cry so hard. Now, folks, I came along at a time whenever, when you were praying to receive the Holy Spirit, I thought you had to pray a long time. I mean a long time. I thought you had to just pray, 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 pray. You got the old saints who are gathered behind you. Some of them saying turn loose, the others are saying hold on. And you don't know which one to do. All you know is you needed the supernatural power of God in your life. I've seen people, I've seen people pray all day and all night long. So determined to receive the power of the Holy Spirit and get up so discouraged and go home. And I've seen other people who could walk right up to the front. 
I was there one day. I, I hadn't been pastoring too long. And one of the men that I was pastoring, he had got saved. And he walked. One of the services, he walked up to the altar. And just as he got up to the altar, he raised his hands up like that. And I mean, it was his face turned as red as red could be. And he started praying and suddenly was praying in the power of the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues so easy. I mean, he received just that fast. I thought you had to do all that other stuff. And then I discovered what the Bible said. (laughs) That all I had to do was pray in faith and I could receive. But just like I pray to be saved and believe it by faith, I pray to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and receive it by faith. The same thing, all of the blessings of God. And this is what Jesus is saying. Why are you allowing this thing to stump you? This this young boy has an unclean spirit. He has a demonic power and he needs to come in contact with something greater than he is so it can get this man to have some deliverance here. Glory to God. Folks, I'm here to tell you we're in a time when we need the supernatural power of God to be able to offset the power of the enemy that's being brought against us every day. I don't think it has ever been more critical than it is now for people to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And when you're full of the power of God, you don't have room for anything else. When you're full, you're full. And there's no room for anything else. But I want you to see this. Jesus rebuked the devil, verse 18 said, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Jesus rebuked the devil. Jesus rebuked the devil. Can I tell you, you can rebuke the devil. You are the emissary of God on this earth. You are not God, but you represent God. So I want you to understand that I'm not God, but I represent God. I am His ambassador in this earth at this particular place and at this time. And so therefore I have the power and I have the authority to rebuke the devil and all that he stands for and you do too. Amen. The Bible says all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. And now he said, you go in my name and you lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Hallelujah. You shall speak with new tongues. You shall take up serpents and scorpions and they shall in no wise harm you. Glory to God. Now that simply, that does not mean you go out there and look for a rattlesnake. That means no matter what form Satan comes against you with, you have the power and the authority of the Holy Ghost to to rebuke and in the name of Jesus, take the authority in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. All right. The young boy was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples uh, to Jesus apart. They waited until he got away from the crowd and they said, Why? Could we not cast him out? Now we want to know why you can do it. 
but we can't do it. Very interesting question. They recognized that they were needing something that they didn't have. That they could handle most of the everyday stuff. But every now and then there would come something to them that was more powerful than they had the authority to overcome. And they said, we want to be able to do that. So they said, why could not we cast him out? Verse 20, And they said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this time kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. So he said, I want you to know that there is special power in prayer and fasting. There's a special anointing. There's a special authority. Because folks, let me tell you something. That's something if you don't understand authority, you can get yourself in real trouble when you start trying to deal with satanic spirits. Now I've known people, I've been around a long time folks, and I've, I've known people who not long after they get saved and they feel like maybe they're called into some type ministry and before you know it, they're giving classes on how to cast out devils and how to do deliverance services or they're giving classes on teaching the book of Revelation. Ain't been saved but six weeks now. And they're suddenly giving classes on how to take authority. Let me tell you something. If you don't begin to speak from some of the experiences that you've had, when you've had to deal, let me tell you, I've been in, I've been in ministry a long time, oh, about 50 years now. I know I started, I was three years old. Well, a little bit older than that, but I'm, I've been in it a long time. And I've only ever come across about two or three people who I actually felt like was demon-possessed. So I don't believe there's a demon behind every bush. I don't believe that every time somebody gets sick that there's a demon in them. I don't believe that everybody, just because they told a lie to somebody, that that's a demon. No. Some of that's human nature. Some of it you just need to get saved and get your life cleaned up. But once in a while, you will encounter somebody who has the power and the authority of a demonic spirit within them. And if you don't have the power of the Holy Ghost inside of you, if you don't understand the authority that comes with that, they can turn you in circles. I'll tell you something else. When Jehovah's Witnesses folks come to your door, Unless you really know your Bible, you better off not to let them in your house. Because they know just enough junk to turn you around. They know a little bit of truth and a whole bunch of junk with it. And they'll turn you around before you know it. So the best thing you can do, if, unless you really know your scriptures and what you believe, you better off just to leave them outside in the yard. <laughs> you know, thank you. We, I'm, I don't want to be ugly to you, but um, you know, I just don't have time for that today. And I'm saying it because I don't want you to be embarrassed. 
We need to know what we believe and stand on the Word of God and we won't have to be embarrassed when Satan shows up at the door. And I'm going to tell you, there are people who are demonically possessed. And that's where you need the power of the Holy Ghost in your life. That's when you'll find out if you've got the real stuff or not. Look what he said. Jesus said, because of your unbelief. They said, why couldn't we do it? He said, because of your unbelief. He didn't say because of this or because of that. He said, simple, because of your unbelief. Verily I say unto you, again, he tells them, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, he said, you can say to this mountain, wow, remove hence to yonder place and it shall remove and nothing shall be impossible unto you based on the level of your faith. Wow. That means you don't have to be afraid of Satan. You don't have to be afraid of what he's trying to do to you and your family. You can call him down. You can rebuke him in the name of Jesus. Whenever your family is getting sick right and left, walk through your home and declare this house belongs to God. Satan, you're not welcome in this house. And I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I speak healing over my children. I speak healing over my grandchildren. I speak healing over my wife. In the name of Jesus, the devil didn't give us anything we have. All that we have came from God. And I want you to know, the devil is trespassing on your property. Hallelujah. When he tries to invade your home. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Jesus is the master of the unmet need. He said, it shall be done unto you and nothing shall be impossible to you. Howbeit this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. I want you to notice now, if you've got the NIV Bible, it's going to skip verse 21 altogether here. This is one of the places that I think it really misses the mark. Verses, it jumps from verse 20 to verse 22. It leaves out verse 21 altogether. And that's the one where Jesus said, Howbeit, this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. See, it's important that we understand how do we get that authority? How do we get the power to speak? To the, to the Satan that is trying to destroy my marriage, trying to destroy my home, trying to destroy my body, trying to destroy my job. How do I get that authority to speak to him like that? We do it through prayer and fasting. Together, it gives you spiritual power and spiritual power. Glory to God. Godly prayer and fasting releases breakthrough spirit. You want a breakthrough in your life. Glory to God. Thus the things Jesus says, hey, I've been fasting. <laughs> Remember, whenever he was baptized in Jordan, he was led by the 
spirit into the wilderness, the Word says, to be tempted of Satan. I've often wondered about that verse of Scripture. Why would the Spirit lead Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted? Because it was the place where He would establish His authority as God over heaven and earth. That He would not give in to any of the, of, of, of the temptations that Satan would come to Him. That Satan would bring to Him. He would not give in to any of them. And that's the place where He won His authority. Amen. Glory to God. And that's why Jesus is saying, hey... I've been fasting and praying, and obviously you haven't. And other people was worried about that. And that's why Jesus said that that first scripture I read to you today, He said, there will come a time when they will not have me with them, and then they will fast and pray. That's That's why we do the communion service that we did the last Sunday of the year. Because we don't have Him with us now. But we speak it in faith believing and remembering that He died for us and also remembering that He's coming back again just like He said. Hallelujah. So I want you to know that the Bible is so powerful in declaring the power that we get through prayer and fasting. Now what is there about that that is so good? Number one, fasting reminds us of our humanity. It's always good to be remembered that we are just humans. (laughs) I wish I could tell you that you will get to the place that you'll be so spiritual before you die that you will never have to deal with your humanity. But I'd be lying to you. And I'm not going to tell you that. I I I want you to know that you are totally helpless without God. So fasting reminds us of our humanity. It reminds us of the fact that I am so dependent on God. And you know, you know, you know we all like to think about the fact that, that, that we don't have to be dependent on anyone. I mean, we can, we can take care of ourselves. I don't need God. I don't need you. I don't need anyone. When the truth of the matter is we totally need God. We totally need His Spirit. I am dependent totally and completely upon the Lord. Glory to God. Number two, fasting humbles us. It reminds us of the fact there's self-denial involved. The Bible says if you're going to be my disciple, you must deny yourself, that's the first one, and take up your cross and follow me. Denying ourselves is hard. When you live in the Western Hemisphere, when you're an American, when we're used to having anything we want whenever we want it, at whatever time we want it, it's hard for us to comprehend that we can have to do without something. But when I deny myself It means the physical appetites of my body are not nearly as important to me as the spiritual appetite that I have for God. I'd rather do without food for my body 
than to do without the spiritual strength that I need from my Heavenly Father. Have you ever noticed when you do without something, it will kind of bring you down off of your high horse a little bit and it will make you begin to understand how important it is for you to trust in the Lord. Mm. I've seen big old strong people. I looked back and saw Libby back in the corner and I thought about this. She's been dealing with a very sick husband for years now. Big, strong man. Just a big, strong man. In the earlier days of his life, wasn't afraid of anyone or anything. I mean, just a hulk of a man. But to watch him now through the years, how humble you get. When you realize you don't have the ability to do things for yourself that you used to do. You realize you've got to depend on someone else. My wife's hairdresser, her husband, was, has been, they've been friends of ours for years. And he had a stroke several years ago and the man can't even fasten his pants. I mean, he has to depend on his wife to do, button his shirt and do these little I mean, I mean things that in the earlier days of your life would have embarrassed you to no end that you had to depend on somebody to do stuff like that for you. But through life, you realize that when you get to those places that you can't do the stuff you once did. And you realize you've got to depend on someone else. It humbles you down. And it makes you understand how much you have to depend. And this is what fasting does for us. Whenever we do without something for ourselves, it makes us understand, God, I can't do this thing without you. I can't do life without you. I can't get through this marriage without you. I can't make it through my job another day without you, Lord. I've got to have your help. I need your help. And just like someone who is sick is depending on a caregiver, that caregiver's depending on God, saying, Lord, how much more can I take? How much more can I handle? God, you've got to help me. See, all of that plays right back into what I'm talking about. That fasting does for us. It humbles me down. It is a sign of my desire to God that, Lord, I want you more than I want anything in this whole wide world. I want you more than I want food for my body. I want you, Lord. I want your power. I want your anointing. I want your spirit in my life more than anything. It speaks of that great desire that we have for God. I know many of you have heard of David Young Cho. Pastors a great church in Seoul, South Korea. Pastors the largest church in the world. Over 700,000 members. Can you comprehend 700,000 members in one church? And Dr. David Young Cho pastors that great church. I was reading something that said he and his staff, they never hardly counsel with anyone. 
When anyone comes to them, they own behind their church, they bought this mountain. And this mountain's full of caves. All kinds of caves in this mountain. I mean, it's a mountain. That's big. And every time somebody comes to them with a problem, they tell them, go to Prayer Mountain and spend three days in praying and fasting. When they go to Prayer Mountain and spend three days in prayer and fasting, when they come back, if they still got their problem, he said, well, go do it seven days. And then it goes to 10 days. And then it goes to 40 days. And he says they have every time whenever you go to that mountain and you begin to fast and pray, that thing that looked like such a big problem to you all of a sudden is not a problem at all. Because when you get in the presence of all of those other people who are praying and fasting and that mountain is literally shaking by the power of the Holy Ghost, you don't have a problem anymore. Glory to God. And I'm telling you, if we as a church will begin to understand that if we'll begin to pray and fast and seek the Lord and we'll join together with the others of like faith, we can forget about the problems and we can begin to come to one another and believe in one another and pray for one another and supernatural things will begin to happen all over, all over our lives. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You don't need to yell to the world when you're fasting. Your fasting should be in secret unless it is a corporate fast like I've just called for this whole church. Spend time before the Lord. Spend time with Him. I know this has not been a shouting, rejoicing kind of service this morning. The message that God put in my heart was not one for us to rejoice about unless we're already doing this very thing. But I want to remind you, the power of God is available to you. He is here. Hallelujah. He is here. Amen. He is here. Holy, holy. I will bless His name again. Glory to God. He's here today. And He's here to minister to your need. Will you stand with me please in the church. Glory to God.